I hope you're keeping well and safe. Um, today we're very fortunate to be in association of His Grace Rindavan Chandrapuru. Um, just a little bit. So as we endeavor to progress in our spiritual lives, you know, we are advised or even instructed to read Srila Prabhupada's books, in particular the Srimad Bhagavatam. So today we are very fortunate because His Grace Rindavan Chandrapuru will be sharing some lessons from pastimes of the Bhagavatam and tools to study such text. A little bit about Prabhu. He was born in Durban, South Africa, while studying for his engineering degree in, 18, in 1986. He joined the Krishna Consciousness Movement. Ten years later, Prabhu took initiation from His Holiness, Kiriraj Swami Maharaj, and his main service while in South Af Africa was book distribution and teaching at the Bhaktivedanta College of Education and Culture. In 2001, Prabhu moved to the UK and his current service is serving on the festival committee at the Bhaktivedanta Manor, teaching Bhakti Sastri, degree courses, presenting seminars and heading up the Go Matsya project, which focuses on distributing sets of Srila Prabhupada's books. So Prabhu has actually done a lot for the movement and we are very fortunate to have him. Um, just a few housekeeping rules, I guess you could say. Is, um, so Prabhu will speak for about 45 minutes to an hour. If anyone has any questions, please feel free to put it in the chat um, and we'll ask you to unmute accordingly. We do apologize if we can't get through all the questions. Um, I'm sure you guys are aware, you know, we are limited for time. And if there are any anonymous questions, please uh, private message myself or Pandava Sena or any other co-hosts. If everyone could please put their hands together and say a loud Haribo in inviting His Holiness Rindavan Chandra Prabhu. Haribo. Over to you, Prabhu. Hare Krishna. Thank you very much, Shamsam Prabhu, for this warm and kind invitation. Uh, it, it is my deep honor and privilege to be uh, presenting on the Pandavasena Forum. Pandavasena is a very dynamic group of devotees who are doing wonderful things to expand Krishna consciousness among the youth and also serve in so many other ways. So I, I do consider it a great privilege to be presenting here. So I'll share my screen. I've done a, a bit of a presentation. <clears throat> okay. So um, I was asked to cover uh, three aspects of for today's presentation. Obviously, as it's been advertised, it's been advertised as Srimad Bhagavatam uh, 101. So I considered what I would speak on today on the basis that 101 means beginners. It has a history in the American university tradition in which the, um, the first years entering university were always considered to be on the 101 course. So generally the um, uh, 101 is meant to be a, um, an explanation and cover for beginners. So just looking at some of the attendees here, I know some of you are much more than beginners. So I do hope there will be something in everything we cover today that will um, please the devotees. And that's what the main aim of uh, speaking really, it is to give pleasure to the devotees and to help all of ourselves advance in Krishna consciousness. Uh, 
So what are we hoping to cover in today's presentation? Uh, firstly is what is Srimad Bhagavatam? Uh, some of you may be very familiar with Srimad Bhagavatam. Uh, some of you may have heard of it, but may not have that much of an idea of what is Srimad Bhagavatam. So we'll speak a little bit and I hope I was hoping to speak for about 15 minutes on that aspect of the presentation. And then we were requested to speak on what life lessons can we learn from the Bhagavatam. In everything we try to study and learn and imbibe in our lives, it has to be relevant. Relevant in the sense that it enhances our life and it gives more and deeper meaning to everything we do. Uh, I must admit the Srimad Bhagavatam being 18,000 verses uh, covering a range of 680 personalities, uh, such a wide and diverse range of life experiences propounded in the Bhagavatam. It was a real challenge for me to, to decide what to really focus on. And I decided to take a bit of an helicopter view and especially in terms of the relevance to our life. So I hope it um, won't be disappointing to those of y'all who have come here today hoping to hear a lot of pastimes, yeah, but there will be some, but there'll be a lot of um, overviews. And lastly, we were requested to speak about how to study and incorporate Srimad Bhagavatam in our lives. So we'll speak um, a bit about that. I'm not sure if any of y'all had other expectations or you're coming into today's session with other expectations of what you would like to see covered. Uh, if, if you have, uh, I'm more than happy for y'all to unmute yourselves and to give me some feedback of what y'all were hoping to hear uh, today. So feel free to do that. All right. Let us move on. I just need to keep an eye on time. So what is Srimad Bhagavatam? A little translation of Srimad Bhagavatam is, it is the beautiful story about the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna. In the Nectar of Devotion, Hilarupa Goswami, when he defines what is pure devotional service, he says when we talk about Krishna, we do not only mean the bluish uh, bo young boy, Krishna in his threefold bending form with his flute, but Krishna means his devotees. It means his abode. It means his name. It, mean, it means his form. So Srila Rupa Goswami gives a broad definition of what we mean by Krishna or who we mean by Krishna. So in that sense, Bhagavatam covers the beautiful story about the Supreme Personality of Godhead and his great devotees uh, and everything associated intimately with the Lord. Now, in terms of the body of literature known as the Vedas, uh, many of us have heard of the Vedas and we know that the Vedas are the original books of knowledge that come from the Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna and he's passed down through Lord Brahma, through the Parampara. So the Srimad Bhagavatam uh, falls within the body of literature known as the Vedas. And specifically, it falls within the category 
known as the Puranas. But um, in one sense, it is very, very different from all of the Puranas in not only one, but many ways, and also different from the Vedas. And we will speak a bit more about why it is so different. Uh, the literal meaning of Purana, because Srimad Bhagavatam is called the Bhagavad Purana, it means, uh, Purana means old or ancient histories. So the Puranas in general, they cover ancient or old histories uh, about events that took place both by the Lord and his avatars and great devotees of the Lord. And in between that, we also get uh, knowledge and experience of um, powerful demons and other great personalities. The focus on the Bhagavatam is, as we mentioned, the activities of the Lord, his incarnations, great kings and devotees. But in the Srimad Bhagavatam, we, we really have something quite extraordinary, something unparalleled in terms of any other literature. And therefore the Bhagavatam is called the cream of all Vedic literature. They ripen fruit of the tree of Vedic knowledge. And Srimad Bhagavatam, as the Bhagavatam explains, it's non-different from Krishna himself. It is Krishna um, incarnate on uh, earth in the form of Granta, a book. And Srila Prabhupada explains in the purport to 1340 that one can derive from the study of the Srimad Bhagavatam, the same results that one can get from the personal association of the Lord. So that was a, that is a really profound statement because the Bhagavatam is Lord Krishna. It's non-different from Lord Krishna. Sometimes we, we take it for granted, but uh, hopefully as we get to know the Bhagavatam more, we will understand what a wonderful gift and opportunity Srimad Bhagavatam brings into our life. So <coughs> to understand a bit more about what is Bhagavatam and what is the content of the Bhagavatam, we need to turn to a few contexts. And I'll talk about uh, three contexts in particular. The first two will be the sages at Naimasharanya. Then the context of the discussion between Parakshit Maharaj and Sukadeva Goswami. And lastly, the conversation between Narada Muni and Vyas. Uh, just looking at those three contexts of the Bhagavatam will give us some uh, good overview of what's contained in Srimad Bhagavatam. So the Bhagavatam actually starts off in a very wonderful scene. It is um, roughly the start of Kali Yuga, about 5,000 years ago. And one unprecedented event is taking place. 88,000 of the greatest thinkers on the planets, meaning saints and sages, they gather at, an holy at a holy place called Naimasharanya. And um, one can just imagine uh, the atmosphere and the vibration 
when you get 88,000 of the greatest sages and thinkers of the world in one place. And the purpose of this gathering was all of these great souls and personalities. They had the ability to see into the future. And they could see the effect of Kali Yuga taking place. And they could see what is really happening in Kali Yuga. So they decide, and this is the nature of saintly people, that they need to do good for the suffering of others. They need to alleviate suffering for others. So they have a discussion and the purpose of the discussion is what can be done. And after some uh, various to and fro, they discuss and decide that the best thing they can do is to start a fire yagya and to chant mantras. And the effect of this fire yagya and the mantras will push back the tide of Kali Yuga. And they were very enthusiastic about uh, what they came up with. So for 100 years, they poured ghee into the fire, chanting swaha, uh, chanting mantras, full of hope and anticipation of what they could achieve. But after 100 years, um, despondency took over. And all of them could feel that this was going nowhere. The only thing, effect they could find was their faces were becoming black from the suit. So starting off with this great intention, they got overcome with despondency, thinking, we, we don't know. We are at a loss of how we're going to help this citizens of Kali Yuga. And just at that point in time, as they were going to take a bath in the river, they saw the great sage Sutta Goswami arrive. And Sutta Goswami was looking effulgent and full of spiritual energy. So they ran to Sutta Goswami with the hope that Sutta could give them some direction. And they asked Sutta Goswami, explain the situation to Sutta Goswami. And then Sutta Goswami says, don't worry. I think I have the exact answer to your dilemma. And then there was a complete turn. From despondency, it became excitement. And they all gave Sutta Goswami a elevated seat. They gathered together and they said it'd be quite pandemonium if all of them asked questions. Let them choose a spokesperson and ask some questions. And they selected six questions uh, that they wanted to ask. And obviously, and one of the most important questions they came up with is, what is the ultimate good for all people? And Sutta Goswami told them that he actually has the answer because he sat in the assembly uh, where the Srimad Bhagavatam had just been spoken. And this is the second layer of the Bhagavatam. And actually, in one sense, it's the main layer. So this layer is about the conversation between Parikshit Maharaj and Shukadev Goswami. 
um, just to be quite concise, uh, Maharaj Parikshit was the emperor of the world. He was the uh, grandson of Arjuna, a great personality endowed with all great qualities. He was cursed to die within seven days. Although he was the emperor of the world, he handed over all responsibilities to his son. He put on a loincloth and walked straight towards the bank of the river Ganges. There he sat in anticipation of receiving instructions on what he should do within those last seven days of his life. And uh, almost uh, mystically, all of the other great sages of the world heard of this conversation and they gathered to an anticipation of something extraordinary was going to take place. And as they waited, in walked Shukadev Goswami, the 16-year-old son of Vyasadev. And, and as he walked in spontaneously, um, everyone just knew that he was going to be the person who was most qualified to instruct Maharaj Parikshit. And the conversation starts off with two questions. Uh, two questions asked by Parikshit. And actually, the answer to these two questions is the main subject for the entire Srimad Bhagavatam. So the first question that Parikshit raised was, he said, please, after proper deliberation, please tell me of the unalloyed duty of everyone in all circumstances and specifically of those who are just about to die. And then he asked, please let me know what should what a man should hear, chant, remember, and worship, and also what he should do at the last stage of his life. And he said, please explain this to me. And actually, if one thinks about it, this is the most relevant question that can ever be asked. It's the most relevant question in the sense that every one of us is going to die. The death rate is 100%. Everyone has to die. Some of us know when, some of us don't. So this question was praised by Shukadev Goswami. He said, this question of yours is glorious because it can benefit the entire world. And then in one uh, wonderful response, Shukadev Goswami says, answers this question, and he says, the duty of one who is about to die is to constantly hear about, glorify, and remember the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is the super soul and controller and the savior one from all miseries. So Shukadev Goswami told Maharaj Parichit, if you simply hear about, glorify, and remember the Supreme Personality of God at Krishna, you can perfect your life, even within these seven days. 
And then Shukadev Goswami asked Maharaj Parikshit, shall we do that? And Parikshit said, yes, yes, please. And this is how the Srimad Bhagavatam started. It's a seven day conversation in which Parikshit Shukadev Goswami explains the glories uh, of the Supreme Personality of God, it's Sri Krishna. And the last and final context I want to speak about in, in this particular section is about um, the conversation between Narad Muni and Vyasadeva, because this gives us a very wonderful idea of why the Srimad Bhagavatam is so unique and why it stands out and why it's deemed to be the cream, the essence, the summon bonum of all Vedic knowledge. So this, as is described in the first canto, um, Vedavyas, Vyasadev, was in his ashram at Badrinath. And every day he would go to the river Sarasvati and take his bath. So one day he enters the river Sarasvati to take his bath. And he becomes overcome with a feeling of incompleteness that he has not done justice to why he's been put onto the earth or for his appearance. You know, sometimes we have that, that feeling that we are not living the purpose of our life. So Vyasadeva was having this, um, this moment, this dark moment in his, in his existence in which he was questioning whether he had really achieved the purpose that he was appeared for. And just as he was uh, thinking like that, his spiritual master, the great sage Narad Muni, appears. And there is this wonderful conversation that takes place in which Vyasadeva's feelings are analyzed and the diagnosis is given on why he's feeling like that. And essentially, Narad Muni tells him, I've actually done a, a review of all the books you have written. And I can tell you one thing. Anybody who reads what you have written will feel confused about what is the goal of life and what is the process of achieving that goal. Because you have tried, by writing these various books, you've tried to cater for such a wide range of an audience. You've described Arthur, economic development. You've described karma, sense gratification. You've described Dharma, religiosity. And you've explained, uh, you've described moksha, liberation. But no way have you described the most important subject and that is the glories of Sri Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead and actually use some strong words, jujutsima, detestable. He says what you have done is detestable and it is at that moment that Vedavyas he realized yes. I have failed to do the most important thing in terms of Vedic knowledge. And that is described 
the glories of Sri Krishna. And then he sat down and in his meditation, he conceived of the entire Srimad Bhagavatam and he read, wrote it. And uh, just the opening three stanzas, three verses of the Bhagavatam, very, very clearly um, demonstrate what he sets out to do in the Srimad Bhagavatam. The very first verse is a verse that scholars who have studied this verse have said that one cannot practically the entire conclusion of the Vedas, all Vedic knowledge has been packed into this one verse, the first verse. It describes everything, including the Gayatri Mantra, but most importantly, it establishes that Sri Krishna is the absolute truth and he is the goal of all Vedic knowledge, of all Vedic study, of all Vedic practices, and the goal of everything. And then in the second verse, he makes a statement that clarifies his purposes and puts to bed everything he's written in the past uh, that doesn't deal with pure devotional service and Krishna. And he says, completely rejecting all religious activities which are materially motivated. Uh, he says that this Bhagavatam propounds the highest truth. And what he does, he says, <clears throat> cheating religion has to be kicked out. And the only religion, true religion, is that which deals with devotional service. And then he invites everyone to come and relish the Srimad Bhagavatam. And he says, oh expert and thoughtful men, relish Srimad Bhagavatam, the mature fruit of the desire tree of Vedic literatures. It emanated from the lips of Sri Sukadev Goswami. Therefore, this fruit has become even more tasteful although its nectarian juice was already relishable for all, including liberated souls. So he says this uh, Srimad Bhagavatam, it's like a fruit, but it's like a fruit with no skin, no peel, no seed. It is just pure juice. And he says, everyone, please come and drink this juice because by drinking or reading the Srimad Bhagavatam, you will achieve everything you wish to achieve in your life. So Srimad Bhagavatam is deemed to be the perfect teacher. Uh, Vedic uh, tradition recognizes three ways of teaching. You teach like a ruler, you can teach like a friend, or you can teach like a lover. It says that the Vedas speak in an imperative voice, like a ruler. You should do this. And the Vedas does not need to offer any logical reasons for following its instructions. You just do it. It is said the Puranas, they instruct like a friend with stories and moral conclusions and reasoned explanations. And then it is said, lovers, they teach in the form of kavya, poetry. And it gives counsel like a beloved lady, speaking sweetly 
but sometimes indirectly. And the instructions are expressed in an aesthetically pleasing way to the reader or hearer. And Srimad Bhagavatam is 90% kavya, poetry. And just like a, a phrase or a song becomes most eminent when a great personality quotes or sings it, in the same way by being spoken by Shukadev Goswami, this Bhagavatam has become even more sweet. We can speak so much more about uh, the glories and the context of the Bhagavatam, but we have to keep it short. So allow, like to move on to the second part of the presentation. <clears throat> and what can we learn from Srimad Bhagavatam? So this is where I had a, a dilemma. Srimad Bhagavatam being uh, 18,000 verses containing uh, the beautiful histories uh, with so many personality, great personalities and so many great events, with each great event having numerous, numerous potent instructions. Which one should I give focus to? Um, and that was my dilemma for today. So I decided, um, it's mainly in terms of the audience, a young audience, which is the Pandavasena. Um, it would be too lengthy to even just focus on one pastime, like the pastime of Gajendra or the pastime of uh, Lord Nashingadev or Vritrasura, uh, uh, let alone the 10th canto, which is the most voluminous. I would speak more in terms of principles and give a helicopter view and frame it in the context of three fundamental uh, aspects or needs in our lives. So I wanted to speak today about how the Bhagavatam can fulfill and fulfill in the most complete way three aspects of living. So the three aspects that have been analyzed by great personalities that make up a complete life is how one can live authentically and wholeheartedly. Secondly, how we can love unconditionally because the essential need for everyone, every one of us has, is to be loved and to be able to repose our love in a way that can completely satisfy ourselves. And the last aspect is how to die gloriously. So I wanted to speak about the lesson from the Bhagavatam in the context of those three, um, for want of a better word, needs for a complete and wholesome life. And Srimad Bhagavatam teaches us how we can achieve all of the above through a very, very simple process, which we will talk about in a little more detail. So the first aspect is how to live a wholehearted and authentic life. And living a wholehearted and authentic life is what makes life 
beautiful. If we are not living an authentic life, if we're not living wholeheartedly, then life is drab. Life is miserable. Uh, recently, I was um, reading some beautiful reminiscences of His Holiness Bhakti Charuswami, one great Vaishnava who was a perfect example of the living Bhagavat. He says you get two types of Bhagavat. You get the book Bhagavat and you get the person Bhagavat. The person Bhagavat is the living example of the book Bhagavat. And Srila Prabhupada was um, the best example of the living Bhagavat in our experience. And he was so kind that he gave us, uh, his disciples and his sons, to give those of us who have not had the opportunity to get his personal association, to also get some glimpse of what the person Bhagavat is. And Maharaj um, once said that we should live our life in such a way that the entire world will want us. And then we should die in such a way that then the entire world will cry for us. And that is a beautiful way of expressing what wholehearted, wholehearted and authentic living is about. And actually wholehearted life is all about connections with our deepest self. And our deepest self's connection with the Supreme Self. That is what wholehearted living is about. And I'll expand a bit more about that now. <clears throat> and the about this statement, it informs our connection with other people, with other living entities and our environment. And what makes this wholesome life? Uh, there's many facets to it, but some important facets is living with gratitude, living with simplicity, living with compassion, living with forgiveness, living with nonviolence, living with humility. And the Bhagavatam teaches us how we can come to the stage of living like that. There's a beautiful verse in the Srimad Bhagavatam, the first canto, seventh chapter, seventh verse, where it is stated, simply by giving oral reception to this Vedic literature, the feeling for loving devotional service to Lord Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, sprouts out at once to extinguish the fire of lamentation, illusion, and fearfulness. And this is the gist of Srimad Bhagavatam. It is such a simple process. Prabhupada once said, Krishna consciousness is so simple that some of us may miss it. Some of us may miss this Krishna consciousness. So the, the Bhagavatam uh, says, simply by the simple process of hearing about the messages of Lord Krishna and his devotees, automatically this loving connection, this immediate connection with our deeper self and with Lord Krishna, is established and everything that comes in the way of this wonderful consciousness is extinguished in terms of lamentation, illusion and fearfulness.
So if we really do an analysis of what stops us from living a wholesome, authentic life, Bhagavatam explains that it is the condition of our heart. It is what sits in this heart of ours that is the root cause of all difficulty in our life and in the world. And when Sutta Goswami was speaking to the sages at Naimasharanya, this is what he was trying to tell them. He says, the root cause of everything in Kali Yuga, if you were to pinpoint the root cause of everything that's happening in Kali Yuga to one place, that would be the condition of people's hearts. People's hearts that are covered their consciousness is covered. And Bhagavatam tells us that the only way to eradicate and to remove those coverings, which is the root cause, is to hear Srimad Bhagavatam. Just like if we come from a busy day of work or going out, we go under the shower with soap and water, we cleanse the body. In the same way, the soul gets cleansed of all of the unwanted things simply by the simple method of hearing Krishna Kata. That's one of the reasons we cannot live wholeheartedly. The second reason is that we come with every baggage in our lives. And that every baggage is our karma, the anarthas, and the previous impressions in our minds. So although we may have all good intentions of living a wholesome life, an authentic life, we struggle because of all of this heavy baggage that weighs us down, that acts as obstacles. And then Bhagavatam explains the mind and the false ego. The moment we fall into the material world as spirit souls, we take on a new identity under the influence of the false ego. And we live through lifetimes of mistaken identities. And then the moment the soul comes under the influence of the false ego, it gives up its thinking, willing, willing and feeling to the mind. And basically the mind and the false ego run our lives we become, uh, we act according to the wounds of the mind. And because of that, it's difficult to live all heartedly. And lastly, the influence of the three modes of nature, goodness, passion, and ignorance, they call the three modalities. And all of these modes, they conditioned us to act in a certain way that prevent us from really connecting with our true and deeper self and living that wholehearted, authentic life. And the Bhagavatam talks about the, the five stages of consciousness, shrunken consciousness, covered consciousness, budding consciousness, blooming consciousness, and blossoming consciousness. The spirit soul in the lower entities, trees, grass, and mountains are covered, shrunken. Animals, birds, reptiles are covered. The human beings, 
uh, they are budding consciousness because the human consciousness has a special facility. But human beings who use this consciousness just to remain at the level of eating, sleeping, mating, and defending, they can't live beyond a certain way. Then there's blooming consciousness, those humans that take to devotional service, sadhana bhakti. And lastly, those who fully blossom consciousness, who are living on the platform of pure devotional service, bhava bhakti. So the human consciousness is like that. It starts off in this bud case stage. Those who keep their consciousness at the bud stage, wholehearted and authentic living is not possible. It's not possible because all they focus is on eating, mating, sleeping and defending. And eventually they die just as a bud which never opens perishes. But through the process of devotional service, the human consciousness can open uh, and bloom and blossom and realize his full potentiality. And the Srimad Bhagavatam, uh, anyone who studies and reads Srimad Bhagavatam gets the opportunity to achieve this completely bloomed phase of consciousness. Um, I was reading a, a beautiful quotation today. Uh, from Radhanath Swami Shev by Emma, uh, Emma Mataji, where Maharaj was saying is, if you think that nobody loves you, the problem is that you have not learned how to love others. Because if you have learned to love others, you will be satisfied millions of times giving love than looking for it. And when you give love spontaneously and naturally, people reciprocate. People love or love them. It's human nature. So in the Bhagavatam, uh, this process of purification is very nicely described in uh, four very key verses in the first canto, chapter 2, uh, text 17 to 20, where he said, Sri Krishna, the personality of Godhead, who is the Paramatma in everyone's heart and the benefactor of the truthful devotee, cleanses desire for material enjoyment from the heart of a devotee who has developed the urge to hear his messages, which are in themselves virtuous when properly heard and chanted. Very simply put, when the Lord notices someone who is eager to hear about his messages in the form of Srimad Bhagavatam, he personally enters the heart of such a living entity and cleanses all of the unwanted things. Then it says, by regular attendance in classes on the Srimad Bhagavatam and by rendering a service to the pure devotee, all that is troublesome to the heart is almost completely destroyed. And loving service unto the personality of Godhead, who is praised with transcendental songs, is established as an irrevocable fact. Simply by hearing Bhagavatam, all that is troublesome to the heart is removed. And what is put in its place? The natural position of the soul, which is loving devotional service to Krishna. And then what happens? As soon as irrevocable loving service is established in the heart, the effects of nature's modes of passion and ignorance, such as lust, desire, hankering, they disappear from the heart. Then the devotee is established goodness 
and he becomes completely happy. Thus established in the mode of unalloyed goodness, the man whose mind has been enlivened by contact with devotional service to the Lord gains positive scientific knowledge of the personality of Godhead in the stage of liberation from all material association. So this is a beautiful summary of the effect of reading Srimad Bhagavatam. And when Srimad Bhagavatam takes effect, then this goal of unconditional love gets established. And Srimad Bhagavatam is nothing but the glorious depiction of unconditional love. There was one uh, nice disciple of Srila Prabhupada named Bharadvaj Prabhu. He, went, he once said something very profound. He said, Krishna consciousness is nothing but love masquerading as a philosophy. That Srimad Bhagavatam may seem that in many respects, it's propounding a philosophy, but no. Srimad's Srimad Bhagavatam's ultimate goal is to depict unconditional love. And Srimad Bhagavatam says, Savai Pumsa Paro Dharma Yato Bhakti Adokshaje Ahaituki Apratyata Yeyatma Suprasiddhati To completely satisfy the self, love has to be unmotivated and uninterrupted. And as we were saying, our capacity to love is dependent on the condition of the heart. All of us want to develop loving conditions, uh, connections, loving relationships, and dependent on how much love we feel we're able to give and experience to that degree, we experience the wholesomeness of, wholesomeness of love in our lives. But our capacity to give love and receive love is highly dependent on the condition of our hearts. And he said, you can only give as much as you have. And you can only receive as much as capacity as you have. So because of the conditions of our heart, we are restricted. But Srimad Bhagavatam not only gives us, shows us that love, but it opens up our capacity to love. And the love that's shared between the Lord and his pure devotees as depicted in Srimad Bhagavatam, you know, through Prahlad and Lord Nishingadev, uh, Ritrasura and the Lord, Krishna and the residents of Vrindavan, uh, the residents of Vaikuntha and Lord Narayan. Uh, it's just uh, Hambarish Maharaj, Parikshit. It's just, it is nothing but the depiction of exchanges of love between the Lord and his devotee. And love is for Krishna. If we have love for Krishna, we are able to love everybody. And every history that we read about in the Srimad Bhagavatam is actually ultimately this, this, this depiction of love. And, and then Srimad Bhagavatam also shows us the highest example of love and that is in the residence of Vrindavan, who would not even consider Krishna as God. They would just consider him their most beloved. And that highest depiction of love is there 
depicted in the gopis of Vrindavan. Um, and lastly, I just want to cover how Srimad Bhagavatam um, is the perfect teacher on how to die gloriously. That is a very painful and frightening experience for the living entity. That is life's final exam. And Prabhupada says we can either pass that exam with flying colors or we can fail miserably. Srimad Bhagavatam gives us that opportunity to make that a complete success. That simply means in one sweep, in one moment of time, everything that we consider dear to ourselves gets taken away. We get taken away from our loved ones, families and friends. We get taken away from our love possession, our homes and phones and cars. We get taken away from our country and the place we live. And we get taken away from this very body that we consider to be our own self. So that is extremely powerful, painful and fearful for the living entity. And Prabhupada says, everything is examined at the time of death. And there is a common Bengali proverb that says that whatever one does for perfection will be tested at the time of death. And Srimad Bhagavatam gives us many beautiful examples of how we can die gloriously. I'll just briefly mention two. Um, and to die gloriously means to die in complete peace, without any attachments, without any fear, with one's mind completely fixed on transcendence and on the Lord. And when one dies in such a way, one does not take birth again in this material world. And one example is the death or the passing away of Grandfather Bhishma. And this was one beautiful verse where Bhishma, Lord Grandfather Bhishma says, now I can meditate with full concentration upon that one Lord Sri Krishna. Now present before me because now I have transcended the misconceptions of duality in regard to his presence in everyone's heart and even in the heart of mental speculation, speculators. He is in everyone's heart. The sun may be perceived differently, but the sun is one. And it is explained that as grandfather Bhishma passed away, both men and demigods sounded drums in honor and the honest royal order commenced demonstrations of honor and respect. And from the sky fell showers of flowers. And the next example is Parikshit Maharaj. In that seven days in which he heard Srimad Bhagavatam. At the 12th canto, the 6th chapter, he says, I have heard from you. This is talking to Shukadev Goswami. This Srimad Bhagavatam, which is the perfect summary of all the Puranas and which perfectly describes the Supreme Lord Uttama Shlok. My Lord, I have now no fear of Takshak. This is the snake bird. Or any other living being or even of repeated birth, deaths. Because I have absorbed myself in the purely spiritual absolute truth, which you have revealed and which destroys all fear. 
You have revealed to me that which is most auspicious, the supreme personal feature of the Lord. I am now fixed in knowledge and self-realization and my ignorance has been eradicated. And then it explains how Takshak breathed this ball of fire and completely consumed Maharaj Parikshit. And there arose a terrible cry of lamentation in all directions on the earth and the heavens and all the demigods, demons, human beings and other creatures were astonished. Kettle drums sounded in the regions of the demigods and the celestial Gandavas and Apsaras sang. The demigods showered flowers and spoke words of praise. Chanakya Pandit once said, if you want to be a material success, think that you will never die. If you want to be a spiritual success, think that you can die at any moment. So Srimad Bhagavatam, just like Maharaj Parikshit, achieves perfection in the seven days. Anyone who learns, studies and absorbs himself in Srimad Bhagavatam has the same opportunity. So um, many of us um, are keen to read Srimad Bhagavatam and to imbibe Srimad Bhagavatam in our lives. But many of us have, for different reasons, have not been able to really take it up. So I just want to speak briefly about what the great devotees have recommended about Srimad Bhagavatam, taking up Srimad Bhagavatam. There's three elements of it, the why, the intention. When one has a strong intention, then the outcomes are strong. So if one has a strong desire or understanding of why Srimad Bhagavatam is so important, then one will take it seriously. Second is mood. One should uh, enter Srimad Bhagavatam or reach Srimad Bhagavatam in a certain mood. And last is method. How to read and study Srimad Bhagavatam. I'll briefly talk about that. Firstly, the mood is eager and enthusiastic. Parikshit Maharaj was full of questions. Uh, so eager that every time he asked his questions, Shukadev Goswami saying, your questions are making me more and more enlivened to speak Bhagavatam. Second is submissive. Third is from a devotee. And lastly, one can learn from the mood of Parikshit Maharaj. Because of time, I'm trying to go quickly. Methods, there are various methods. One is deep study. You enter Bhagavatam and you do a deep dive into every verse and every purport and you absorb yourself. That will take time. The second method is called the composite or the combination method where you read just the verses and you go through the whole Bhagavatam. And at the same time, you do a deep dive of the purports. Um, the last one is just overview, hearing and watching. And last one is intensive study where you take an intensive time off to go and reach Srimad Bhagavatam. We on the Gomatsya project, I'm going to tell you about a Bhagavad life enhancement program we've developed. This is a specific program to help people uh, take up the study of Bhagavatam. And it's based on, uh, you know, the philosophy that we've just spoken about. And the program uh, works in that you receive a full package consisting of reading material, companion guides, audio, visual material, applications for your phone, and you also get a life improvement coach 
who gives you one-to-one -one guidance on how to study and reach Srimad Bhagavatam. It's based on the principles of obviously reading, hearing through the audiobooks, the videos, the companion guides, and the Bhagavatam itself. Then reflection through a program of community, interaction with the life coach and other supporting material. Then it goes through application and then realization. And in this package, you get the whole Bhagavatam, you get the companion guide, you get the full audiobook, you get the visual overview, you get the soft copy of the Kindle, you get allocated the life coach, you get a Bhagavad life course, which is 60 pounds to the Bhagavad um, School of Bhakti, and you get access to our newsletters and blog. Um, there's never been a better time to reach Srimad Bhagavatam at the moment. There's so many wonderful resources, by some books written by Krishna Dharma Prabhu that focus on certain elements. There's a book called Srimad Bhagavatam at a glance by Narayani Mataji. You got the overview book by Sutapa Prabhu. We got the audio material. You got the Bhagavat Subhidini project. There's just so much of material available. You may feel there's barriers to you. There's no taste. It may take too long. You don't like reading. It's above your head. None of these are valid anymore. Taste comes from reading Bhagavatam. One just has to do it. And when one does it, Krishna will bring that taste into our life. Um, how are we doing for time? Oh, it's already seven o'clock. Uh, we just land up with a few verses, or I'll just say one verse from Sanatan Goswami. And he says, O Srimad Bhagavatam, O my only friend, O my companion, O my teacher, O my great wealth, O my deliverer, O my good fortune, O my bliss, I offer my respectful obeisances unto you. So if we can make Srimad Bhagavatam our friend, our companion, our teacher, our greatest wealth, Srimad Bhagavatam will become our deliverer and our greatest good fortune. So I'll stop there for any questions, comments, or reflections. It, it was a challenge to go through such a, a deep subject matter and such an important literature, but hopefully you have got some taste or some droplet of what Bhagavatam is about. And uh, if any of you want to uh, connect with us to get a set of Bhagavatam or to find out how you can get access to the life enhancement package that we are uh, pulled together, you can please give your name and details to the um, coordinators of the program or in the chat box. And we'll get in touch with you and we can um, uh, help you connect with Srimad Bhagavatam in the best way that we can. So any questions or comments from anyone or reflections? Haribo Prabhu, um, uh, thank you so much. Um, so we have a few questions that um, some people were a little bit shy or unable to speak. So I'll just narrate through them accordingly. If that's okay with you? Yeah, sure. Okay. So the first one was, um, do we have to read the whole Bhagavatam? Yes. It is said, as I said, the Bhagavatam is the body of Lord Krishna. The first two cantos are his feet. Three and four is his thighs. Five is his navel. Six and seven is his arms. Eight is his chest. Nine is his throat. 
10 is his smiling face, uh, 11 is his forehead, and 12 is his head. So Prabhupada says that the essence, the real juice, the real nectar in the Bhagavatam is the smiling face of Lord Krishna, which is the 10th canto. But Prabhupada says in the very first verse purport, it says, unless you go to the first nine cantos, you will completely misunderstand the pastimes of Lord Krishna and you will relate to it in an ordinary way. So therefore one has to read the first nine cantos and it is said by the time you come to the ninth canto, you will be a liberated person. Liberated person in the sense that you would be completely out of the bodily concept of life, thinking that I am the body. And then with that mood, you can enter the nectar of the 10th canto. Therefore, the systematic study and reading of the Bhagavatam is there. If you just want to get an overview of the taste, you just read the audio book, this beautiful video material that takes you through the entire Bhagavatam, but go through it systematically. Otherwise, uh, you, you won't get the desired result. One won't get the desired result. Thank you. Um, the next question is, uh, so I guess you kind of answered it. Can we hear Bhagavatam instead of reading? Yes, you can. There's audio material at the moment where the verses, the entire 18,000 verses of the Bhagavatam is audio narrated, very beautifully audio narrated. Uh, we give anyone who takes the set of Bhagavatam from us the full audio package and, and the video package, but still the books, it is said when one, certainly you can, you can hear it, but you will come to the point after hearing it and getting the overview where you want to do the deep dive. That's just the nature of Bhagavatam. You'll want to see the words, you'll want to read the words, you'll want to meditate on the words, you want to absorb the words. So, yeah, you can certainly start by hearing, but certainly in your journey, uh, you will come to the stage where you'll want to enter into the reading also. Thank you. Um, another question was, is there anything we should do to prepare ourselves before reading Srimad Bhagavatam? Uh, the only preparation that most uh, devotees do is they offer some prayers, uh, you know, just like it is said, uh, Narayanam Namaskritya, Naram Chaiva Narottamam. One uh, recites those prayers before reading the Bhagavatam. And also uh, one enters in the mood of spiritual knowledge can never be achieved. It's simply revealed. You can never achieve understanding. You can only receive the understanding. So just enter it with a mood of submission, of wanting to know and, you know, as a beggar, and uh, in that mood, Bhagavatam will be revealed. Uh, another one device asking how much are the packages? So okay. the whole set. Okay, so we have three packages. The first package is just the Bhagavatam set with the audio. That is 211 pounds. It's not for profit. It's just simply covering the printing cost, packaging and storage. The second package is called the Badra package, where you get the uh, golden throne in addition to the first package and the um, companion guide, a soft copy of the companion guide. That's 225 pounds. And then the last one is 251 pounds. You get the entire life enhancement package together 
with the Bhagwat course from the School of Bhakti, which is worth 60 pounds. Uh, again, we just put the package together to help the uh, devotees connect. We are not after money. If there's anyone interested that doesn't have, we, we sometimes we get some sponsorships. Uh, we, can, we can gift that to you. Or if you want to do it under part payments, we can also make that arrangement. But the main thing is to just get Bhagavatam and connect with Bhagavatam. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I think we only have like a couple more questions. Uh, I just want to reiterate to everyone else, please feel free to send in questions. Um, not many people, some people have been quite shy <laughs> to ask. Um, so another question was, how does the Bhagavatam link to the rest of the Vedas? Um, the Vedas, um, Vyasadeva is the compiler of the Vedas. He has um, condensed the Vedas in what is called the Vedanta Sutra. Sutra means condensation. Um, because as time progressed, people were becoming less and less able to remember. So he wrote the Vedanta Sutra. And the commentary of the Vedanta Sutra is Srimad Bhagavatam. So commentary in the sense that the essence of all the Vedic knowledge, even more than what was contained in the Vedas, because it has the 10th canto, the descriptions of Lord Krishna. Um, that is how the link it is. Bhagavad, you get the Vedas, you get Vedanta Sutra, and then you get Srimad Bhagavatam, which is the natural commentary of the Vedanta Sutra. So it is the essence of the Vedas. That's always connected. Thank you. And uh, I think the final question we have was um, at what stage do we have to be in our spiritual practice in order to start reading and understanding the Bhagavatam? Different devotees have different opinions on it. You know, some people say you have to go to systematic study. You read the beginning books, then you read Bhagavad Gita, then you read Srimad Bhagavatam. Srila Prabhupada, uh, whenever the Bhaktivedanta Book Trust had money, and they would go to and ask Prabhupada, what book of yours should we print? Without fail, Prabhupada would always say, print first canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. Without fail. So anyone in any stage of their spiritual journey can start reading Srimad Bhagavatam. They can start. Um, um, and uh, they're able to understand. I've met so many people uh, that's to some good fortune they got Srimad Bhagavatam and they started to read and their Krishna consciousness journey started and they've read, you know, I've got a relative, my wife's uh, aunt in Mauritius, she's not even a devotee, she's read Srimad Bhagavatam, that's the first book she read and she's uh, really uh, become absorbed in Bhagavatam. And so you can read it at any stage. Any stage of your spiritual journey, you can reach Srimad Bhagavatam. There's no prior qualification one needs. Thank 